Hello everyone, Jeremy here. Really quick, before we start the show, I just wanted to remind you that Wizard World is coming to Columbus, and if you plan on attending, when you're buying your tickets at wizardworld.com, don't forget to use promo code CANDARE at checkout to get 10% off your tickets. That goes a long way when you're buying tickets to go to a con. Stuff is not cheap. And I uh, just wanted to remind everybody that uh, we are doing a uh, get-together on October 19th. That's the Saturday of the con, uh, after the con, in Columbus at the Old North Arcade. It's uh, just up the high street from the convention center there. Around 8 and 9 o'clock, we're getting together, and it's just an open invitation to anybody who wants to come out and help us celebrate six years of Candare. So once again, if you're in town attending the con, or even in town not attending the con, just want to come hang out with us. Old North Arcade, October 19th, somewhere between 8 and 9 o'clock. We don't know exactly what time, but we'll nail that down uh, once we get closer to the date. So we hope to see you guys there. And without further ado, enjoy the show. Hi, this is Ernie Hudson, and you're listening to Candair Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I am Jack Doherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us today from Cauldron Magazine, we have Sam Noir with us. Sam, thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you later about uh, Cauldron Magazine. It's a, it's like a supernatural comics anthology. Those three words together, I mean, just make me giddy. Make <laughs> me giddy. So excited to talk about that a little bit later. But before we do that in our retro roundtable, we're going to be talking about the Batman. It's the 80th anniversary of Batman. Got to address it. I think we've already, have we already talked to Marvel because of their 80th? I feel like we did, maybe we, we didn't. Did. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah, we did. We yeah. did, okay, yeah. okay. I didn't know if we had or not. So uh, this is long overdue, being that it's October now. <laughs> so. It looks good for being 80, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Caught me without a response, Jack. Caught me without a response. But before we do all that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandarePod and on Instagram at Can underscore Air. And if you like what we're doing, you want some extra content, you just, you're just not getting enough of the free stuff, we have paid stuff, people, at Patreon.com forward slash CandarePod. We have a whole other show, the Candare Patreon Pod, and for $5 a month, you get access to it. So if you need a little bit more, if you need that Candare fix, that's where you get it. Candare, or excuse me, Patreon.com forward slash CandarePod. If you're going to the Columbus Wizard World show this year, don't forget in the promo box at checkout to uh, type in Candare. Get yourself 10% off your tickets. Can't beat that. Need every little bit of money you can it save. On yeah, October sure, sure 18th to the 20th. That's right. That's right. And your boys are going to be there in the flesh, getting interviews, shaking hands, kissing babies. If you want to uh, hang out with us that Saturday night after the con ends at uh, Nor- Old North Arcade in Columbus, Ohio. That's on High Street. Uh, we are going to be hanging out, I'd say, probably around 8 o'clock yeah. on. Yeah, so right. if uh, you guys want to come out and hang out with us and uh, celebrate six years of Candare, because it's also our six-year anniversary. Six wow. years. What the fuck are we doing? I don't know. What are we doing? Kissing hands and shaking babies. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong order. <laughs> <Whoops. laughs> That's the Candare touch. Uh, anything else, gentlemen, before we move on? No. We good? Good. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. <laughs> Holy impregnability! All right, guys, the Batman. Now, in the past, Jack and I have already uh, talked in in extent about Batman. One of our live shows we did, and I think we dedicated Mm -hmm. a whole episode to it. So, having Sam and Randy's opinions is kind of where I'd (laughs) like to start. Randy, do you want to give us your uh, first thing on the Batman? Sure. so the uh, did you guys ever play the uh, Contra style Batman video game on the Genesis? Just like from the first movie? No, it's actually based on the animated cartoon series. Um, you're basically just running around like throwing batarangs. I think I have actually. 
I think so. Is it like a very valuable game now? I wouldn't. I don't know about that, but it's it's the hard as shit. Genesis valuable. <laughs> well, there's a, the Super Nintendo uh, Adventures of Batman and Robin uh, video game. It goes for over a hundred bucks. I mean, oh. last time I saw it, it did. I think, yeah, I've got the one for Genesis. So I don't know if it's comparable or not, but it's fun. <laughs> comparable My to Nintendo. Uh, Batman was the uh, Nintendo. I think it was tied in with the movie, actually. Uh, yeah, uh, it's Mask a, of the Phantasm. Uh, no, just the regular '89 uh, 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 Batman. I yeah. think. Okay. I think there was a game that tied in with the Nintendo. I think that's worth quite a bit as well. I believe you're right. I believe you're right. And I, I had the uh, the only one I had was no, not the only ones. Excuse me. I had Batman Returns on Super Nintendo. Okay. And that was a side scroller, uh, but it was a lot of fun. It yeah. was fun. It was hard, very hard, but a lot of fun. Um, I had Batman Forever, the one with Joker and Two Face um, on Game Boy, and Riddler Bat- and Two Face. Oh yeah, sorry. Might as well. <laughs> it was yeah. a piece of shit. Like I got to the end of the level, and apparently you're supposed to like grapple up, and there yeah. was like you had to use like select or something. I had that game. Yeah, and it was they told you nothing. Right. They told you nothing. You just were in the dark. You had to figure it out. And it, I was in that same boat. Like you could see where you had to go above you. Right. But how do you grapple? Right. You jumped, and you get freaking pissed off and mm-hmm. turn it off yeah. yeah i never got far in that game <laughs> the, the, the thing i had fun with that on that game was the uh, player versus player fighting okay like in the bat cave that was fun yeah because they had like motion capture like mortal Kombat almost right yeah it, yeah, okay. it was exactly hmm. exactly and at the time that was some fancy shit now. yes it was <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, nah. nah. It looks so horrible nowadays. <laughs> I mean, I, you can still look at it and appreciate it. Like, you yeah. still look at that original uh, Mortal Kombat, and you can still be like, damn, you know, okay, it's dated. But for the time, that was spectacular. When mm-hmm. you saw someone's spine get ripped out that first time, it's like, you really saw it. You know? right. And there's yeah. some charm to that mocap as well, that old school mocap. Yeah, there really was. Yeah. There really was. And um, I don't know, it's kind of a lost art form, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. Getting all sentimental. <laughs> Sam, what about you, the Batman? Oh, boy. Uh, well, I pretty much like Batman of all eras. I'm fairly open about uh, Batman, given the fact that, uh, well, uh, everything from the Adam West series that I watched mm-hmm. as a kid to the Super Friends to the uh, 89 Batman to the cartoons. So uh, I like the fact that he's so resilient he he there's many interpretations of batman Mm -hmm. and uh he he quite stands up even the uh, more recent batman 66 comic is is quite charming and can sit quite nicely next to uh some excellent recent runs like tom king's or scott snyder's grant morrison's i'd have to agree with you totally it's been a solid i don't know if you read the uh they released uh, the comic form of the two-face episode that was really really good i enjoyed that yeah, that. yeah. They did an animated feature on that one too, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Did okay. they? Yeah, it was a full length feature because Shatner. I that. Shatner was Two Face. Oh, I it's haven't delightful. seen that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's absolutely de- delightful. Okay. Oh, I have to look that up. No, I didn't. I didn't know that was a thing. I, I got the book, and in the back was uh, the original uh, script that had been written for the show that they backed out on, and then like original concepts. Excuse me. Was that written by Harlan Ellison? Am I misremembering that? I couldn't tell you, to be honest. I don't. I do not remember who it was written by. I know the cartoon was Adam West and Burt Ward, though. It was their their last run of them, right? And uh, Julie Newmar as well, which is cool. Yeah, that's right. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I don't know when you see this young vixen and then she talks like an elderly yeah, woman. Exactly. It kinda, kinda Adam Westler Batman was the huh? same way. It though. takes you out of it a little bit. But. Come on, Robin. <laughs> you're like, oh, he sounds so old, but he you looks the same. Just hearing bones breaking through the <laughs> VO tracks. Oh yeah, uh, it was written by Harlan Ellison, so it's a lost episode of uh, Batman '66, apparently that yes, that's right. based on this script. Uh, Harlan Ellison, of course, uh, wrote the Star Trek. What was it? Uh, City on the Edge of Forever, the the famous uh, Star Trek episode. Really? Okay. Yeah, I did yeah. Not know that? No, I didn't mm. know that. That makes it even cooler. Yeah, I think they just thought it was uh, like Two Face was too gnarly for television at the time. I think is why they didn't air it. It was, it was just too like gruesome that, yeah. or something. Probably couldn't get good enough makeup to make it look. Good. So they're like, let's get Vincent Price and Collie Meg hit. Yeah. 
That's better. <laughs> so here's a question for you guys. What was uh, when you conjure up an image of Batman in your in your head? Uh, is it a childhood comic book version or which version stands strongest? Ooh, wow. I've got two, I would say. And as far as my favorite, as far as I would like to see if like the character were real would be either the last season of um the animated series. He got a whole new look. You know, mm-hmm. the the bat logo wasn't in like the yellow circle. It was just the logo. Oh, that's right. Put it back the, to the old bat. The black yeah, yeah, and his The you, Batman the New Adventures. Yes. Yeah. And his Robin had a, a red outfit like it was all red and joker was yes like just yeah. black eyes with tiny little dots in them yeah mm. everybody got a makeover the penguin was probably the biggest because he went from looking like danny devito's penguin to looking like just a typical right. short man penguin yes. you know what i'm saying closer to the dick sprang sprang version if i remember correctly yes 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 and another thing about batman i loved there was um his utility belt you know it wasn't like that bright yellow it looked almost like like a handyman belt from Home Depot or right. something. It looked realish, <laughs> practical. Like if I were going to be Batman, I'd probably be going to Home Depot first you know, <laughs> to start my utility belt. But that and uh, Neil Adams, Batman. Of course, the classic. Yeah, yeah. He, and Kevin Conroy is finally the the animate the voice of the animated Batman is finally going to play a live action Batman in what? the upcoming uh, Crisis crossover on those cw shows like the flash and arrow and uh how oh, awesome are you uh, kidding Batman. me what? i had no yeah. idea yeah the only uh, better news would be if if and again a lot of people are speculating uh if they could get mark hamill in to uh play the joker as a live action <laughs> oh that would be cool didn't that would be really cool he, didn't he play the uh, trickster in one of the um yeah, the original did. Flash. Show, well, no, he made he like a cameo. Yeah, in he both, came back. Yeah. And, yeah, he was the same character from both series. Uh, yeah. correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and they're actually doubling up a lot of them because uh, Barry's dad in the in this recent series uh, was the original Flash in the 1990s series. Right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. he came back as his 1990s version, and I think Brandon Ruth, uh, Superman Returns, is is currently the Adam, but he's coming back as uh superman as well in this this mega crossover i kept hearing tom welling's gonna come back yes and erica durance as well oh my hold up you're saying the dude who played superman and superman returns Mm -hmm. is coming back to play superman in these shows yeah yeah yeah. he currently plays the atom in these shows but uh, they've shown pictures it looks like that he's gonna be playing the kingdom come superman actually what's that mean he plays the atom what's that mean he's the hero of the atom in, oh, in Legends of Tomorrow, he's the Adam, the the uh, version, the character that uh, shrinks. Yeah, he's the DC's version of Ant Man, basically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, I see. See, here's the thing with Batman for me. Batman is my only window into DC, really, which is why I'm sitting here going, "What's an Adam?" You know, <laughs> because Batman is. I don't know. I mean, not to say DC's doing anything wrong. It's just not for me. I, I love Marvel being rooted in the real world, and I don't like the fantasy world that I guess DC kind of lies in. Honestly, for me, I would almost rather watch the CW series like Green Arrow, The Flash, over some of the the DC movies that have been released. Oh, definitely. I don't uh, have yeah. a CW anymore, so I can't. I haven't been able to watch it for the I past think couple. A seasons. lot of them are on Netflix. I'd rather watch yeah. PBS than some of those fucking movies. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> some of them, after their run, they start getting a little bit uh, too much. That's kind of fell off the wagon, I think, with Flash and then Arrow after like season eight. I was just like, oh, geez. yeah, yeah. I I can't I can't do them. I just can't <laughs> not do it. They're they're on a level of cheesiness I just can't roll with. <laughs> well, like, it's always the 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 hero with his super team sidekicks of hackers. Everybody's yeah, too fucking beautiful, man. That like too, yeah. you are all too gorgeous. There's yeah. no way. <laughs> There's no way. This is like a convention of gorgeous people. Has anyone seen the Joker movie yet? Oh my god, yes. It was so good. Did you? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely everyone's talking about the whole influence of Scorsese in there. It's, it, it feels like a, a 1970s, 80s uh, uh, king of comedy or taxi driver. It's a, it's a real movie, if yeah. you know what I mean. Not a, a spectacle, not a blockbuster, an actual genuine character piece. It was quite compelling. 
It was so good. And uh, um, uh, I dare say artistic. I mean, everyone else is already saying that, I guess. And I don't <laughs> like to use that word, but it definitely was. Definitely was. Because by the end, you're... I don't want to give anything away because you guys haven't seen it yet. I don't care. I, but I know. You should. Really? You should. Yeah. Uh, go see it. Go oh, see I'm definitely going to go see but it. But I think it's definitely going to change the way these movies are done now. You know, hero superhero movies have dominated the box office for over 10 years now. That's and crazy to think. It yeah. really is because yeah. you would have thought that wave would have come down on itself now. Right. Now with Phase or the the Infinity Saga being wrapped up, I'm starting to think we're starting to sail so too, down the other yep. side of the wave. And I think Joker is the, is what's going to keep that wave up because I think That's, now we're going to see more villain movies, mm. smaller, more more low budget. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can do more character studies. Uh, yeah, because yeah. we're we're all kind of sick of the big CG spectacle, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this just man, it's just fired on all pistons. It was so good. So is it pretty like self contained? Is it something like you can absolutely plot? okay. Absolutely. It's not tied. Apparently, it's not tied in with uh, any other uh, uh, DC movie currently. It's standalone. So here's hoping they they focus more on that, making just good quality movies as opposed to worrying about, you know, how this connects up to that, blah, blah, blah. Right. right. Trying to do what's been done. I don't think Joaquin Phoenix would do that. I think, you know, he seems like he's a very uh, artsy kind of guy when he comes to films and like this one-off is all I was going to do. I'm not going to be pulled into this franchise now. But at the same time, it would kind of be cool to see his Joker. Because you see see the origin. And I would love to see Joaquin's after that. I would love to see what happens after that. So it'd be cool to see a Joker too. We won't. We won't. I think this is going to stay self-contained. Okay. That's one of the biggest complaints was his age of the movie. You know, how, how old would he be when Bruce finally turns into Batman? He'd be an old guy. Um, I, think, I say don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and when you he see, never it, really knew how old Joker was anyway, except for maybe when you think about Batman and Joker fighting. It was a concern, like when before the movie came out, like in my mind, like how they go and do that. But afterwards, you just there's no concern you like, don't at care all. At all. I, I think, it's not even that. It's just. You'll see. Okay. <laughs> I think Marvel's probably spoiled us a little bit too, like wondering, like, okay, how's this connect? How's this connect? And not like focused on like, hey, this is just a self-contained yeah. story. I think yeah, Marvel could take a picture. take a page out of the book of DC in this case. Like, okay. I imagine some Marvel characters getting a, a close study like this. All right, well, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Sounds like we need to get our asses out and see that, man. Yep. Oh, I'm all right. I'm going next weekend. I know. It's mm. some of the most like. Uh, shocking parts of the movie I felt bad because I was like grinning ear to ear and like holding my hands in front of me like a like an old lady like cuffing her tissue like she's while she's watching her stories like I was fucking beside myself and I was like man I must look like a sadistic fuck like smiling (laughs) ear to ear while this shit's happening there's a lot of uncomfortable moments, absolutely, and that I think that's part of the appeal of the film. Like, it's yeah. not a feel-good film. I felt uncomfortable. Yes. You know, there are parts I I can't even say I necessarily liked yeah. the movie, but it's so well crafted and so well done, and it made you feel. I think that's the uh, big thing. You you can't help but have a reaction to this either way. I believe that. Okay, I yeah. haven't seen it. Yet. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't totally been able to stop yet. thinking about it. That's what I the the couple people I've talked to. That's. They've reflected on it the past couple of days, and they're just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's really and, good. You'll love it. And there's plenty of room for interpretation as well. Like, this is the type of water cooler movie that you can just sort of say, oh, what was real? What wasn't real? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Right. What was just in his head? You know, what was the delusion? What was the craziness? Because the Joker is crazy. It's an exploration of uh, mental illness, uh, descent into it. And actually, surprisingly, this whole... Um, I guess the parallel is Occupy, 1% uh, uh, versus the 99, uh, also somehow plays into it in the historical sense as well with the garbage strike, you know, the, what was going on in New York, the financial crisis and the garbage strikes, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. I mean, no stone was unturned. Everything was so, everything just worked together so well. Nothing hmm. seemed sloppy. Everything just seemed constructed so meticulously. 
Oh, and it was I a slow burn. Talk about it. You <laughs> assholes need to go see it. <laughs> it was a slow burn. That's the other thing. Yes. Too. There's a degree of uh, they're, they're creating a mood. They're slowly building so that by the time the end comes, it's like a runaway train. Just just, you know, tick, 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 tick. It just it's a yeah, it's right up the roller coaster. That is such a great way to describe it. Bravo. What a great way to describe that. Exactly. Mm. Because once it starts to go, it fucking goes. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I could totally see it. Just, I mean, I don't know. The last trailer they put out just made me Mm want to go see it then. It sold me big time. And and here's here's the well done part. Like, like just again, complete throwaway reference, but uh, he still goes to see Zoro, to the, I guess, the Wayne family goes to see Zoro. But it's the 1981 George Hamilton comedy, Zorro the Gay Blade, <laughs> which I just think is hilarious that, that they're making that specific reference. I love the time placement that they did here, too. You know, they could have they could have gone anywhere, really, when you're talking Batman. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, early 80s was mm-hmm. perfect. The tube televisions, just everything was spot on. Everything was spot on. Now, where do we put? Uh, where would you place uh, this performance in the spectrum of Joker performances? Ooh, um, I mean, Mark Hamill will always be definitive. Oh, absolutely. Um, and here's hoping that he does someday get to play a live action. He's done the cartoon. He's done the video games. Give him a shot at the live action. I say. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see that. I don't think anybody wouldn't, but. Uh, Man, the question you ask is exactly what I was asking myself the whole way home from the theater. Like, how do I compare this to Heath Ledger? And I don't think you can. I don't no. think you can. They're they're two separate. Oh fuck! Get out of here. <laughs> 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 what? We're experiencing some technical difficulty. <laughs> Um, it is it is tough given the fact that this whole movie is a character portrait versus just the 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 peak we got at uh Heath Ledger's you know it was a bravura performance it, it was really well done but yeah. uh we dug deep into this one that's for sure that's it too and uh I'd say you, you, that question would be better asked in a year because right now, if you ask me who I'd like to see more portray Joker, definitely Joaquin. But it's because it's new, so it's new exciting. Fashion, I'm yeah. desensitized to Heath Ledger. We're over the thrill of how good he was. Still appreciate it mm-hmm. very much, but um, yeah, I'd say in about a year's time, I could probably give a better answer <laughs> on that. But right now, Joaquin, Joaquin Nicholson, no. <laughs> It's so crazy to think about, man. Like, I remember (laughs) driving to see the Heath Ledger movie, uh, Dark Knight, and just telling telling Brooke, like, there is no way he's going to beat Nicholson. (laughs) There's no No, way. I really would have never thought so. No. Yeah, it was amazing. Not the 10 things I I hate about you, guy. Yeah, Yeah, because when you saw him, he's like, okay, he's got a very round face. Like, I don't see how Heath Ledger's going to pull the Joker off. No. My God, he did. Um but looking at Joaquin, he does have kind of the perfect Joker face, you know? Mm-hmm. He really does. He just well, he transformed his body as well. Yeah, he did. Oh, my God. That body transformation is just, it, it's a full body performance, that's for sure. Grotesque. Hmm. Absolutely. So good. God. <laughs> go see it. That's the point with okay. it, that Sam and I are trying to make. Get <laughs> off your asses I'm and go see, go see it. it so we can't talk <laughs> Your loss. <laughs> your loss. Um... Did did we already go around the table the whole way with everybody? No, no, I didn't get to say nothing. Speak up. I've heard you talking. Well, yeah, I was talking. Not my. Well, I mean, I've talked. All right. Well, what's your pick? God damn it. The Batman villains out of the whole Batman universe. Mm -hmm. They're always so they're not. They're a little over the top, but they're more believable, I guess, than some of the other DC villains. Mm -hmm. Like the Joker's just a crazy guy. Penguin's a dude that. Wears a suit and stuff. He's short. Two-faced but you, just has an gnarly face. But you put him in the right hands. Like, the right creators find the right take for it. Because Mr. Freeze, for years, was just a joke character. Yeah, right. I think yeah. Uh, Animal Man, actually. There was an issue of Grant Morrison's Animal Man uh, in the late 80s that just uh, had him in limbo and him sort of complaining that he wasn't the type of character that, uh, was popular anymore and then all of a sudden just a couple of years later uh, 
Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, the animated series guys, uh, came up with a wonderful, wonderful take. The whole cryogenic aspect and his wife. Oh yeah, uh, turning him into yeah, turning him into one of the more uh, compelling villains and actually sympathetic villains as well. Yeah, that was the you one that the... I had to accept for was Mister Freeze, just because the believe a believability of it, but still the the whole story behind him does change that whole thing a lot. I, I I've always loved the Batman villains. Mm-hmm. I, it's hard to find one I don't like, and um, I can't say that to. Any other, you know, heroes set of villains like well, Superman's are usually always all aliens. That's the thing, you know. Superman, um, it's always just brute versus brute for the most yeah, part. Exactly. And with Batman, you know, he's it's more cunning, it's more cerebral. He's got the Riddler, where he's got a. It takes a special out. kind of villain to go up against the Batman because yeah, yeah. anyone can typically take him down. So yeah, the you know the Riddler is a great one to bring up because mm-hmm. he's the kind of like the Joker. He's the only one that can give him a challenge. Yeah. You know, without Batman, he can easily fool anyone and get exactly what he wants, which I'm sure he'll continue to do. But I don't know. It seems like it's he's one of those characters that Batman gives meaning to and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Has anyone read the recent uh, Batman arc, The War of Jokes and Riddles? It came out within the last couple of years. It was uh, essentially uh, Riddler and uh, Joker going to war with Batman no. caught in the middle. They all sort of, all the, yeah, it was uh, Tom King. Uh, I can't remember the, the artist, but it, uh, but it was within the main Batman title. And it was quite compelling because it really sort of defined the differences. Because often at, at first glance, especially if you take into account, you know, the way they were portrayed in, let's say, the Batman 66 as both kind of uh, over-the-top comical mm-hmm. characters, uh, it really defined both of them quite well in terms of, uh, you know, again, you were saying, yeah, Riddler being a more sort of cerebral, uh, thoughtful villain versus uh joker who's just basically the symbol of anarchy mm-hmm. right and when all the villains sort of choose sides and uh, batman's sort of caught in a, a city war it was quite a quite a great arc i, I recommend it read that yeah. yeah i would love to read that uh was that uh, snyder uh no uh tom king tom king. tom king's run has been uh wonderful he's made me care about kite man for crying out loud <laughs> wow okay yeah yeah he's, he's you should uh, just led with that sentence yeah. right there <laughs> well he, he seems to have adopted kite man as his uh, uh the character he just kicks around and abuses and yeah over the course of however many issues like 80 issues kite man just keeps coming back like charlie brown to to get his punishment <laughs> glutton for the, punishment yeah lucy you know pulls away the football from kite man every single time <laughs> <laughs> he's abused by all the other villains you know he's just caught in uh, uh yeah this this 80 or 90 issue run is uh culminating in also this uh an arc called the city of bane uh which again quite uh Quite an epic Batman story. I've never quite seen... Snyder's is close, but I've never seen a slow build like this. Uh, basically, by the end of this, I think you'll have approximately a 100-issue storyline with uh, Bane as the master villain behind it. And yeah. break Batman, yeah. Uh, in more ways than the 90s version, where he literally broke Batman's back. He's used all, all the pawns at his disposal, including, actually... Uh, Thomas Wayne from the Flashpoint universe, the Batman that carries a gun around. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, to, to, again, break Bruce's heart. Catwoman played in there as well. I need uh, to watch that f- film again. That was a really good movie. The Flashpoint. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, excellent. Yeah. And, and the twist, I guess, the, the, spo- the spoiler twist, of course, is uh, Martha Wayne is yeah. the joke. I loved that when they when that came appeared on the on the screen. I was like, "What?" Yeah, it's such a good thing to do because I mean the similarities between Joker and Batman are so. I mean, they're definitely there. Mm-hmm. They're they're almost the same person, but obviously they're not. And um, I don't know, just in that alternate universe, seeing that split between two people like that—one going completely down the dark path—because Bruce is the one that died. Right, yeah, and yeah. and Thomas, I wouldn't even say went uh, to the glorified path because he was killing people too, if I remember yeah, yeah, correctly. Yeah, he was using guns. Yeah, like he didn't fuck around. So yeah, I mean, he was using the gun. Yeah, they were both kind of doing their uh, 
dirty work, I guess, yeah. you know? Wasn't it Thomas that shot uh, Reverse Flash in the back of the head at the end? Uh, dude, I don't remember. It's been a long it's time. It's been a long time for me, too. Like, I haven't seen it since it first came okay. out. But probably. <laughs> 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 Sounds right. <laughs> They've been doing a fantastic job on the, all of those Batman animated movies for the most part. Do you guys have any favorite Batman animated movies? I loved Year One. Under yes. the Red Hood was Under really the, good. Under the Red yeah. Hood is fantastic. Um, I feel like there was another one. The one where um, Damian Wayne first comes back. Oh, he, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. And like the League of Son Shadows. Son of the Batman, I think. Something like that. Son of Batman. Yeah, that's, that's what one. it was. Yeah, that was a good one, too. There was such a... He was trying to teach Damien, you know, kind of like sentiment, trying to keep him from killing and right. understand why you shouldn't kill. And he came around to a point at the end of that movie. I don't know if you guys remember, like he gave Bruce a gift, I believe, on the anniversary of his parents' death. He had gotten down into the sewer underneath the alley where his parents were murdered and found one of the pearls that had fallen from his mother's oh, necklace and gave it to him on that anniversary. And I was like. That has always stuck with me. I was like, damn, <laughs> that's a gift. <laughs> you know? I like Damien. I do, too. Yeah. He's a good character. Yeah, it yeah a- it's astonishing, isn't it? Because he could have been Poochie. He could have easily, easily been Poochie, you know? the, the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He could have been. But, you know, look at the history of Robbins and how many times that could have been said. And they've all been solid. Dick Grayson. Uh, Tim Drake, Jason, Jason Todd. Todd. I mean, come well, you on. Got re- but you got to remember that prior to you know him uh, becoming the Red Hood, fans did not like Jason Todd at all uh, right. when they first voted to kill him. Yeah, they there was that uh, what was it a one eight hundred number one eight hundred number, and if you dialed one like the the digits were different on the end, and if you dialed one number, he died. If you dialed another, he lived, and the votes were really close, if I remember right. Yeah, but the fact that, you know, there were that many bloodthirsty fans who uh, opted to to awesome. kill Jason. Yeah. And, of course, they it, it worked out well because he's come back as, as a much more – because he started off actually as a – as just a knockoff of uh, Dick Grayson. And then they right. sort of tried to make him different by making him a, a more of a street kid. And that actually made him – unlikable until uh, yeah they they basically tested out the waters by suggesting they brought him back during hush they had a great right. reaction to that and then they they brought him back and yeah red hood is uh, one of the iconic storylines uh, uh, these days i was thinking about that and that brought up another idea for me is in the age of social media we have now do you think comics like should they be utilizing stuff like that, like doing voting on comics? Like, you know, you could call the 800 number to decide if this character lived or died, but, you know, it doesn't seem like maybe it's a missed opportunity now, you know? It felt kind of gimmicky, you know, but at the same time, uh, it did come up with a fairly classic story, the the death in the family. So, uh, And actually, the death made it that much more powerful, right? If right. they had voted for him to live, I don't think the storyline would have quite been as, as historical. Right. No, the writers would have to be prepared to go either way, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's have art. The they, prepared, they, they prepared art uh, with both endings, basically. Right. And we're ready to publish uh, either one, depending on how how it shook out. I do like how they decided to bring him back in the movie versus how they did in the comics. What, the Lazarus Pit, you mean? Yeah, because in, in the comics, didn't the Superboy Prime Punch bring him back? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. The Lazarus Pit was a much better uh, uh, way of doing it. Right. Superboy Prime Punch? <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I like Marvel. Is that one of the four Superman? <laughs> yeah, there's, there was Each a Each time there's a crisis, they, they basically revise it, and then at one point, I think, there were so many different crises uh, that they had to explain away the inconsistencies with uh, Superboy P- Prime in, a, in an other-dimensional prison punching at the walls of reality causing these these continuity errors rather than a no prize most people would just write in at marvel and there's your no prize but they had to explain it i kind of want to call the episode superboy prime punch (laughs) i don't know if i can (laughs) sam maybe you um have an answer for this because i've brought this up on the show before i i remember seeing a comic or a storyline where i don't know if bruce wayne was dead or just missing but the robins the the you know dick grace and tim drake mm-hmm. uh, jason todd all of them were fighting for the mantle of the bat do you recall this 
Uh, vaguely, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think if if I'm again. If I'm remembering, I've got so many Batman storylines in my head, but it might have been uh, just just during uh, Grant Morrison's uh, storyline where he, uh, quote-unquote, killed Bruce. Bruce, of course, uh, got hit by what are Darkseid's eye beams, the Omega beams, oh, yeah. And, yeah. and got sent backwards in time, basically, where he had to live out uh, uh, different lives through history. So you did get caveman batman and etc cetera, etc cetera. but uh, i think that that was the storyline that where where there was a little bit of a uh it's like a power vacuum yeah yeah and then eventually actually this is one of my favorite te- teamings uh i actually like the dick grayson yeah batman that yep. came out of that and the damian robin team because uh, as much as I love Bruce and Damien, uh, they're too much alike. Whereas uh, you had a Batman that was actually uh, more uh, carefree and kind of not joking, but a little bit lighthearted sometimes. Yeah, he loved having a flying Batmobile, for example. And then you had your grim and gritty Robin. And uh, it was quite a, a fun reversal. You knew it wasn't going to last, but while it lasted, uh, Grant Morrison and uh, Frank Quitely did an amazing job on uh, uh, that year or two where Dick Grayson did finally get to be Batman and not counting his uh, short run after Azrael when Bane first broke Bruce, Bruce's back. So was there was there a point where you got to see uh, Jason Todd's version of Batman? Yeah, because the I mech fe- armor. I don't even remember mech armor. No, it was. Um, it looked like Batman, but his it, it really looked a lot like the Thomas Wayne uh, Batman. He had the the claws on his fingers. His shoulders came up right. to points. Mm-hmm. I think his ears were a little longer. Yeah, like a full face cowl or something. I think he did, and I, I remember panels where he and Dick Grayson's Batman are fighting each other, and I just mm-hmm. thought, man, he looks wicked. Yeah. <laughs> he looks so cool. And that had to predate the Red Hood, so I just wonder why he wasn't uh, more popular. He looked cool. No one likes that type of Batman. <laughs> I like that kind of Batman, <laughs> I like that kind of Batman. Um, oh, I had a fun, I don't know how fun it is, but I had a fact here I found online. Let me pull it up here. Do you guys know that the Batcave was not something that was introduced by comics, but was first introduced in, like, the 1943 serial? Really? Yeah. It was it was TV and movie that invented the Batcave. That's Caught cool. me off guard when he said serial. I was like, I have no Batman serial back then. <laughs> <laughs> but up, up, the up. <laughs> At the talkies, the, the talking. Oh, yeah, the old black one, the first, yeah. Yeah, first time. Oh, but yeah, the 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 serials, the ten or fifteen minute uh, to be continued each week. Yeah. Yes, yep. exactly. Is that with the old Batman that had the like the little cone shaped? Yeah, ear? Okay. it just like yeah, pointed yeah. straight oh, off his head. Cringy Batman. <laughs> you um, man, I've I've watched some of those. I think they're on YouTube even. And some of them can be just downright creepy. Yeah. <laughs> just, just creepy. Uh, it's hard to explain, but uh, what else we got here? You know, there's an actual college that offers a course called the Science of Batman. It's the University of Victoria in Canada. That's Oh, awesome. wow. What would the science be? I mean, what is it like? Vigilante stuff? Sleuthing? Or? Or? Uh, the, the course description reads, The extreme range of adaptability of the human body explored through the life of the Cape Crusader. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is there a forensics component to, to that? You'd imagine... I don't know. There'd almost have to be. You I mean, would think, right? As a detective. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the only other thing here I have is uh, that Batman used to kill people, but I think we kind of already talked yeah. about that, didn't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the, he, he did use to machine gun. But, the, you know, in the early days, they were still forming. And, and uh, let's let's admit this. Uh, Bob Kane was ripping off a lot of stuff back then. He was just taking things wherever he could find it. And, uh, yeah, uh, part of the the DNA of Batman is the shadow, right? The The guy with the two guns who went around uh yeah people but you know it, it's there's there's more history where batman doesn't kill so i think yeah. that's you know in in the 80 years since uh those first early you know uh early batman where he did shoot people uh, he's evolved you know yeah 
Absolutely. And it's become such an intrinsic part of the character, which is why, you know, Thomas Wayne with the gun is so shocking. Or I think there was a Batman Year Two uh, back in the day that came on the heels of Batman Year One, uh, uh, where he was carrying the gun that uh, killed his parents or something like that. It was a storyline that, I, if I'm remembering correctly, Alan Davis drew, Mike Barr might have written it, and then Todd McFarlane drew the last two issues. And the character in that, the Reaper, uh, was was loosely adapted into the Phantasm. Okay. In Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, which wow. was crazy. Right? Yeah. yeah. What? Hmm? Did you say you haven't seen that yet? No. Oh, I thought I just heard you say I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> wow. I, was I said I could to... see the Reaper being. <laughs> I see. I see. I see. Our I, heads I... both snapped. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> you heard that too? Then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. No, I, I only uh, I bring it up because uh, the they gave a few examples on the website I was looking at of the instances where he has killed, and one of them was just pushing someone into a vat of acid, and uh, I mean we've seen that already with the Joker's mm-hmm. one of his origins, but another one was like a guy looking out the window, and while the guy's looking out the window like down at the street, Batman swings in on a grappling hook and like kicks him in the head and breaks his neck. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty. <laughs> Then the last one was even worse. He's like in the Batwing. He's flying over and grapples a guy, uh, the bad guy, like a giant, a bigger guy, around the neck and takes off with him. So this guy's being hung from Mm. this thing, from the Batwing. And the narration, it's Batman saying, well, I don't like to take a life, but in this case, it was necessary. And you just see the silhouette of the Batwing, (laughs) this dude hanging from his neck on the back of it. You're like, holy shit. Batman didn't kill him. The grappling rope did. Uh, when you're right, you're right, Jack. When you're right, well you're before right. the Comics Code Authority came in to oh, yeah. clean, clean things up. up, police everything. <laughs> yeah, and then Batman was going into outer space, and you know, a Batmite was hanging around the cave and yeah, uh, coming up with his mischief. We get things like and he was working bat shark repellent, and <laughs> yeah, I still love those old Adam West. I still yeah. watch them when I see him. I love those shows. That was my first Batman. What was your guys' oh, mine first? Too. Super Friends. Super Friends? Yeah. I'd have to say Super Friends as well. Combination of Super Friends and the animated series, like reruns on Cartoon Network. I see. Yeah, it used to be like in the uh, like late 80s, early 90s. I don't remember what channel it was, but like after school, like when cartoons were over, like they'd start playing reruns of like Brady Bunch, Bewitched, right. oh, okay. I yeah. Dream of Genie, and then uh, Adam West. Nickelodeon, maybe? Oh, fuck no. This oh, okay. was long before we ever had cable. This was definitely antenna. My bad. As a kid, I also watched, uh, there was a Filmation series, too. I think the New Adventures of Batman or something like that. And that really? actually had Batmite in it. So I, I do remember Batmite from my childhood based on that. What year was that, would you say? Uh, late 70s, I, I want to say. It, it was, uh, and I, I even want to say at some point, Maybe I'm confusing with the Super Friends, but I think they actually got Burt Ward and Adam West to do uh, animated voices this at some my point radar. in, in hmm. the the animated uh, life of uh, uh, Batman and Robin in the 70s and early 80s. Huh. I'm going to have to look that up. I've never even heard of that. Have you? Mm-mm. No, I never heard of that. Oh, Batman and they and Robin also... being in Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Yeah, they, and they were, I think, Burt Ward and Adam West, weren't they? When the, the Scooby-Doo Mysteries? Yeah. yeah. Were they? I don't remember. I just remember Who Casey hasn't Kasem been on Scooby-Doo? Doo? Yeah. Didn't we do an episode of Scooby-Doo? <laughs> yeah, I mean, secret. Christ, everybody's been on Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Did they think they had Kiss and Scooby-Doo? WWE yeah. and Scooby-Doo? Yeah. <laughs> Supernatural and Scooby-Doo. Oh, they just bastardized themselves. Yeah. It was good? Yeah. yeah. Don Knotts. I remember Don Knotts. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Mr. Furley. Yeah. Oh, man. I think Don Rickles did it one time, too, I want to say. Oh, I'm sure. All the old-timey comedians. Yeah. Mm. So speaking of random uh, Batman cartoons, have you guys ever seen any of the Bat Metal on YouTube? Oh, those are fantastic. Oh, geez, yeah. No. <laughs> you haven't seen Bat Metal? What's Bat Metal? <laughs> so basically, I think there's three of them now, but there's a... Um, it's uh, a Russian um, animation company that does like these short little snippets set to Deathlock music, and it's like Batman like in a Ren and Stimpy kind of style, like singing the lyrics. I mean, it's it's worth it, man. It's hilarious. I'll check it out. Is, um, describe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. How did you describe that music again? Uh, Deathlock. Deathlock. The animated series. 
from Meta Metalocalypse or whatever? Is yeah, that the band yeah. from Metalocalypse? That's what I want to say. I, again, my it is de- basically death metal, I think, and yeah. I thought yeah. it was. I thought it was from from that series. I think it is. I, I could be is. wrong, but I'll yeah, look it up. Definitely bat metal. It's worth every second you watch it. It's death and then L O K, right? Just search bat metal. I'm just trying to see if there's a connection uh, here. Oh, okay. But uh, do you know? Yeah, it, it's Deathlock. Uh, With just the K though, no C K. Correct. Yeah, that's got to be the same. I, don't, I can't imagine. So it's a band from Metalocalypse mm-hmm. with bad band singing. Yeah, even more reason to watch. <laughs> even more reason to watch. <coughs> All right, gentlemen, I think that's going to do it for Batman talk. But man, that was effortless, wasn't it? Yeah, that talking was. about the bat. I mean, it just flows. It just flows. I love it. So much stuff to talk about. There really is. Yeah, eighty, 80 years of history, yeah. and we barely even really touched on the on the bad movies. And this was like what yeah. the third episode, and probably no overlap, right, from the other other episodes. That you guys no, we usually delve into Batman and what was it Batman and Robin a couple of times and all every time we talked about Batman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The <laughs> yeah, we didn't touch of a movie, but we never went there this time. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said, right? Yeah. <laughs> How many times can you say the same thing? But yeah, absolutely. So that was a lot of fun. Happy 80th anniversary, Batman. Yeah. Thanks for enriching enriching more. our lives. Yeah. We'll never see. Well, within within twenty five years, I'm I'm guessing uh, it'll go into public domain. They keep extending the uh, copy the Sonny Bono law. They keep extending uh, the the copyright so that he stays non public domain. But uh, yeah, I'm sure within the next eighty years, when he finally does go public domain, that'll guarantee he uh, he stays a character for the ages. That's crazy to think about yeah. him going public domain. Yeah, really. Anybody well, it should have gone Batman. public. <laughs> yeah. It should have gone public domain thirty years ago, but they kept extending the copyright. Right. So yeah, are you, are that's how Superman, Superman. Yeah. Well, this is how the Superman heirs uh, uh, got some semblance of control and and leverage because uh, because if you extend the copyright extension, then the terms with which uh, you originally made that deal for a character you created revert back to you. So it was kind of a double-edged sword that, uh, you know, they wanted to hang on to these uh, uh, characters, you know, classic animation characters, icons like Superman, Batman, but uh, had to negotiate for them. That would be incredible. It would be crazy. (laughs) It would be crazy to see. It would be nuts. All right. Very good. Very good. Really quick, before we move on, I just want to remind everybody, I mean, by the time you're hearing this, it's too late, but uh, the new series on Adult Swim Primal just this past week, October 7th through what, the 11th? Did it just start yesterday? Mm-hmm. Today being recording day Recording Monday. day Monday. Yeah. It's starting, yeah, uh, tonight. But, um, yeah, going through Friday, which is when this posts. But that doesn't mean you still can't watch it. Just go to adultswim.com. Or, if you know, like how if you pay for cable demand, or yeah. whatever. Or, or on demand, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. There's got to be somewhere out there to see it. With so many different places to get your television. So check that out again. And uh, without any further ado, let's turn our attention over to Sam and talk about Cauldron Magazine, the Supernatural Comics anthology sam thanks so much again for being here with us today man oh i'm having a blast uh yeah great conversation so i I don't know if you guys remember uh the old school magazines back in the day like the uh, comics magazines on the newsstands there was heavy metal and epic illustrated and creepy and eerie and savage sort of conan uh essentially uh Comics, because of the comics code in the 50s, there were some real restrictions to put put on, on comics. And to sort of shirk off those restrictions, a lot of magazines uh, returned to the newsstand as larger format magazines to try to cultivate an adult audience. So I think Mad Magazine was the first to uh, do that. Uh, and uh, eventually, yeah. Titles like Creepy and Eerie, which were the heirs to the EC, you know, uh, Tales from the Crypt, uh, Haunt of Horror, etc., etc. So basically, Cauldron Magazine uh, came about a a bunch of friends of mine, uh, uh, Shane Heron, Ricky Lima, Casey Casey Parsons. We we were just 
talking about how much as kids we love these magazines. And of course, uh, you always discover them when you're a little too young, you know, an older brother or a cousin <laughs> or a friend might have them and you'd feel a little kind of uh, uneasy about reading them. And some of them might even give you nightmares. You know, some of them might have uh, some nudity or some extreme violence in them. And uh, yeah, they really, really imprinted on us as kids. So we thought, uh, you know, we would love to bring something similar about. So, uh, uh, yeah, we came up with Cauldron Magazine, and uh, it's a co-op publishing venture, and we're all sort of bringing stories to the issue, to, to every issue that uh, reflect that sort of uh, more adult, mature sensibility with a focus on art. So a magazine format allows us to basically have a larger canvas to paint on in order to, to showcase the art. I think I sent you a couple of uh, our first couple of issues. Yes. Yes. And that's, so that's, I was going to ask you, that's why you went to, to eight and a half by 10 and a quarter instead of the traditional size of like six and three quarters by ten and a half, it's just to have that more room for the art to be. Displayed. Yeah, yeah. So uh, European uh, BD Ben Desine, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but they come out in like large hardcover albums. And as as when I was a kid, a lot of the, this material from uh, Moebius and Drule and Milo Manara and all these fantastic European artists. Uh, came over in the pages of Heavy Metal magazine in this larger format with with beautiful paper. The coloring was beautiful. Guys like uh, Richard Corbin, who had come up in the American Underground, were doing fully painted, fully airbrushed. Uh, have you guys ever seen the Heavy Metal movie? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. The, the animated movie. So Den, Den, uh, the the John, the barbarian John Can that John Candy played. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you, if you remember that segment, that was sort of a, a mind-blowing uh, strip for, for us. So we've uh, tried to bring that sort of uh, element in. So in some of the issues, uh, I think we've, we've done some uh, Conan S stuff. In our latest issue, we're actually doing sort of a, a female take on Conan. She's a female barbarian storming the underworld. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, violence. There's a lot of nudity. But we want it to feel contemporary as well. We don't want it necessarily. We want it to have a retro feel, but we want it to address, uh, you know, a contemporary audience, which right. was very important to us. Now, the one uh, you guys are doing here, which has been, what, 350 percent funded on Kickstarter. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we've been Kickstarting yeah. every issue. Uh, essentially, uh, our first, I think, two campaigns were 400 and 450 percent funded. Oh, and uh, I guess this isn't airing till uh, this podcast isn't airing till Friday. So uh, I think as of as of today, uh, when we're recording it Monday, we've got 37 hours left. And so, yeah, we're we're likely if if uh, we've been pretty consistent, so we'll probably top uh, 400 to 450 percent again on this campaign. And yeah, it's wonderful that there's an audience for this material because it's Absolutely. it's tough. Back in the day, uh, you know, uh, you could go to the newsstands and and find something, you know, horror uh, related uh, that were for a more, more adult sensibility and now with comic shops that's kind of true but for the most part it is sort of marvel and dc centric there's a lot of great stuff coming from image etc cetera, etc cetera. but uh, we wanted a sort of a throwback and we wanted to uh, what the great thing about kickstarter is uh we're going direct to the audience so we don't necessarily have to worry about uh you know uh, uh comic shops uh needing to because that's the other thing, too. The the adult comics used to be racked uh, high up in the comic stores, right, with mm -hmm, the undergrounds right. and, and that sort of thing. So uh, we like the fact that we're going direct to our consumers, the, the, the readers, through Kickstarter. It's an amazing world out there where uh, you don't necessarily have to worry about uh, three layers of middlemen, a publisher, a uh, uh, you know, distributor, and a, a comics retailer. Not that we uh, haven't brought... Uh, cauldron to comic stores uh, it's just always a tougher sell with this type of content you know potentially sure. uh, uh, you know to some people the, to offend their their sensibilities which is the the point of underground comics and uh, more sort of lurid pulp like material 
you know, I mean, looking at your Kickstarter first, before I say what I'm going to say, looking at your Kickstarter and seeing how... I've never seen such a successful Kickstarter. One has never come through the show like this. So you can see that you already have one hell of a fan base that is on board with what you're doing. And from what we've seen, you can see why. I mean, not only is it uh, gorgeous, but you guys are really taking the time to display the art you have. And I think um, whether or not somebody sees and acknowledges that on a sudden kind of level, they know that they picked up on that. Um, but do you treat this like a, this is your third volume and are these treated yes. like traditional magazines? Like, you know, in the past, like a, a magazine has its shelf life and then, uh, gets discarded, thrown away. So like, are, are the first two cauldron magazines still available to be picked up anywhere or did they have their run and they're gone now? Uh, that was the original intention. Uh, to be honest, our our first uh, our first volume, our first issue, because we don't number them as well. You notice we're calling them. We want it to be a magazine. We want right. it. Uh, we call it Fall Twenty. It's it's twice a year. So so far we've been calling it you know Fall Twenty Eighteen, Spring Twenty Nineteen, Fall Twenty Nineteen. We're we're trying to to have that periodical and once it's gone it's gone uh so we had i think a run of 500 that sold out in a heartbeat uh, most of us who worked on the book don't even have uh, copies left <laughs> oh, they wow. they flew out and so we managed to have a we went to offset printing as well which showcased especially some of the painted art as well they, you can just get into the the blacks and the grays and the the range of uh colors as well, uh, that digital printing can't. So that was important to us to give it that old, you know, slick magazine uh, feel. Uh, but yeah, uh, we originally intended things to go out of print, but because people have been demanding it, we still have uh, a cop because we printed more of uh, volume two. But uh, given the amount of demand, we brought back uh, volume one for our Kickstarter. Uh, just for a limited print run so that we can uh, get them to, to folks that, that have come on board since then in these last two campaigns. And it's astonishing to us as well. You, you, you talk about Kickstarter. Uh, just looking at our statistics, I think something like right now uh, uh, on the back end, we've got all the data. 80% of people are coming to us directly, discovering us on Kickstarter. We thought, you know, a majority of the people would be, you know, friends and family and people that know us in the local Toronto, Toronto, Canada, uh, comics community where most of us are, are located. But uh, it's, it's been mind-blowing that uh, people look on Kickstarter and they see the art and they see the, the quality and they've just hopped on board and uh, supported us through three campaigns right now. There's definitely a community of people that I we've discovered. I was just going to say that. With Kickstarter, there's definitely yeah. a community. So yeah. word of mouth that, spreads between... Well, I mean, that we've even talked quick. to on the show that when it comes to comics, that's the first place they go. Yeah. You know, because you're getting raw, created, you know, straight from the creator. Like you were saying, it's not been tampered with or said you can or can't do this. It's, right. It's in its raw form. And uh, there's a lot of good stuff on there, mm -hmm. this included. And, you know... Um, I, if you've missed this campaign and you were interested in Cauldron, obviously, you know, next time to get in is spring. And um, another important thing I always like to bring to the attention of anyone who's thinking of backing a Kickstarter is that these magazines, when they are funded, are already at like 90 percent, if not more, completed, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're we're we basically don't want people to wait. We're right. we're ready to go. Of course, uh, the real world, as as we've discovered, uh, the real world sometimes gets in the way. You know, uh, even just getting four of us together to sit there and uh, stuff envelopes can be a challenge, or getting our commissions finished, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, yeah, basically, uh, inside of. Uh, Inside of that six months between campaigns, we've generally been able to f fulfill, if not within the first two or three. Right. And, 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 just... and this is offset printing as well, sending it off to a printer, having it offset uh, and, and a large enough print run as well now that we can uh, keep some in stock. So if people want to go to cauldronmagazine.com, uh, hopefully we'll have our uh, online store, both uh, digital and physical, for them to uh, purchase from us directly. 
There you go. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. Where should we be uh, directing people? I saw you also have a uh, Facebook page there, though, it looks like. Yeah, Cauldron Magazine. Go over to our Facebook page. And, uh, yeah, from there you can uh, find us or even just search uh, Cauldron Magazine on Kickstarter. And you can start following us on there for when our next uh, campaign kicks off. Fantastic. And we're going to be putting links uh, on our website and on our social media to help drive people over that way as well. Um, even in these last few hours, you know, the episode might be airing after the campaign, but before it's over, we're still going to try to get you a little bit of exposure. We'll throw some tweets oh, up fantastic. tonight or something. So, um, best of, uh, not that you need our luck. I mean, 400, 450%. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who am I to wish you luck? You've already got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but Sam, thank you so much for being here with us today. This has been fantastic. We'll have to get you back on in the future, man. I had a terrific time. I'll, I'll come on anytime. And actually, I could uh, hook you up with some of the other amazing contributors to Cauldron. Uh, a lot of them are sort of uh, uh, either just broken through into the industry or uh, on the verge of breaking through as well. Our cover, the cover artist for our second issue is Adam Gorham, a local Toronto guy who uh, went to the Ty Templeton comic book school with a, a lot of us. Uh, he's mm-hmm. currently working on, I think, uh, Punisher and has done Rocket Rack and an X-Men title and Jughead, The Hunger, The Werewolf, uh, Archie title. So uh, we've got Casey Parsons, who uh, just, uh, I think he just announced his, uh, was part of uh, uh, Joker portfolio uh, that was released at uh, NYCC just this past weekend. And he's also done image covers. So yeah, these are, these are a lot of uh, up and coming talent and you can just even look at the quality of the art to know that uh, a lot of our contributors are, are on the verge of huge things and getting snapped up by some of the bigger companies. I would be very interested in having them on the show. Yeah. Let's definitely hook that up. Thank you. I appreciate that. Very good. Sam, thanks again for being here with us. And again, we're going to be pushing people uh, that way. And I'll just You guys are awesome. <laughs> thanks so much, Sam. I appreciate it. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to candairpodcast.com where you can check out show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, become a patron, buy some merch, see some YouTube videos. And if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. I have to address it because they heard it. You beat the fuck out of your hand I on know. the table God, there. I cannot believe I did that. It hurt. The face you made was one I have never seen, so it Brother must have hurt. Bust a knuckle. Jeez. Did you forget the table was there? I don't know what I did. I, I, I knew it was there. I just didn't have my hand out of the way. I, I heard the pain. I heard it. You're bleeding for your art. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And once again, if you like what we're doing, head over to Patreon.com forward slash canned air pod and for five dollars a month you get access to our whole other show the canned air patreon pod which we release once a month and has about 24 episodes up there so that's a whole other catalog you get access to going to wizard world wizard world columbus once again use canned air in the promo box at checkout get 10 percent off your tickets uh, every little bit helps there and if you are going to the con uh, that Saturday night we're going to be hanging out at old north arcade here in columbus ohio on uh, north high street so uh, it's if you Google it, you'll be able to find it. It's on the same road as the convention center. You just yep. turn right and keep going straight. <laughs> Buy us a beer. <laughs> but, yeah, we're going to be there from 8 to 9, You know, not only hanging out with people from the con, but uh, celebrating our six-year anniversary, yeah. having a few beers, playing some pinball, pinball arcades, whatever. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, they've got a lot of them. So uh, come hang out with us. Open invitation. Anybody who wants to come chill with Canned Air Boys. What, what was that date? October 19th? Uh, 18th through the 20th. Yeah, so it's the 19th, the 19th we're hanging 19th, out. Yeah. yeah, the 19th. So there we have it. Uh, anything else, gentlemen? Uh, speaking of other shows, if you guys like... Uh, Every week I forget that shit. Every week. <laughs> and I'm not even on it. I'm picking it up for you. I'm glad you are. I'm glad you are. We have our other show uh, that uh, me, Jack, and our other uh, co-host, Ryan Little, uh, do called What If. Go to whatifpod.com. You can check more out there. If you search What If Series or just Canned Air Productions in your podcast player of choice, it should come up along with this show. But uh, what we do on our other show called What If is uh, every week we spend about 40, 45 minutes talking about a twist on reality. What if Bigfoot had been discovered? What if humans didn't need sleep? Uh, Our most recent, what if dinosaurs had never gone extinct? What if the wheel was never invented? All kinds of stuff, yeah. So uh, interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. A whole different show from this one. It's funny because typically when you found someone who's listened to both, you, they're not a fan of both. They either like one or the other. It's like, this one's cool, but the other one, eh. Yeah. So, 
different feel there, a different feel, but check it out nonetheless. I shouldn't have said that on here, should, should have I? If they're listening to this, that would, inc- that would incite that they, they don't like won't the like other one. What yeah. if. Damn, you'll like it. I'm, I'm going to put my shovel in the corner and just sign off here. So, Until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. Sam Noir. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>